Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Let's stand together. We're here to worship Christ, the newborn King. Amen. in our soul, doesn't it? God, we welcome you into this place. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We receive them. We 
worship you, God. In the darkness, we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, Jesus Christ, who has 
Amen. God, we worship you. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, this is a season of joy for so many people. But this is also a time where grief is the sharpest. Some of us are experiencing that today. Heavy hearts, missing loved ones, maybe even this is the first holiday season without them. And that's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to not be okay. And God says he could come boldly to his throne. That's something he, no one can ever take away is our worship. We can always come before him. We can always lay our hearts before him. The things that grieve us, the things that hurt us, and the things that bring us joy no one can ever take that away, our ability to praise him in the middle of it all. And today he wants to take that grief, he wants to take that sadness and that sorrow and turn it into joy. Maybe it brings tears. Those, those tears are healing sometimes. Let them flow. Not one goes unseen. So today, would you just hold out your hands to him? Let him fill you. Let this exchange of um, from grief to joy, from sorrow to laughter, let him fill you today as we sing his name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the your hidden glory and creation now revealed in you are Christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you What a wonderful name. 
beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Be seated as we pray. Jesus, as we ended that song, you reminded me of the, all the art galleries in the world, of all the masterpieces painted by the masters themselves, and all the glory that has been attributed to those masterpieces. There is no greater name, no more beautiful name in the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, Jesus. The veil was torn before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above every name. And it is in that precious name that we pray. And all the people said, amen. Wow, what a beautiful worship this morning. Welcome for, for those of you who are with us for the, first, for the first time. If you are our guest, let me say welcome. I, I'm Russ Hearn. I'm one of the pastors here at the Bridge Church. We're so glad that you're with us. You've chosen to uh, worship and to spend our time together. So let me welcome you here. If you are visiting for the first time, we're going to make you stand. No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to give you a round of applause for being here. How about a nice hand? <laughs> I saw the moment of panic go across your face. No. So we do want to welcome you here to the bridge. It's so great to be here with you. And if you are first time, or perhaps if it's your 10th time and you've still not yet had an opportunity to let us meet you, we do want to just encourage you to maybe stop by the Connect Center. It's out there on your left as you go through these double doors. It's a place to connect so that we may know who you are. And uh, please fill out a Connect card, and uh, we'd love to get to know you better. We'd love to have you connect permanently with us as your church family home. And if you do, you step out to those doors. The girls out there will have this beautiful bag that's available for you. This is our gift to you, a blessing. There's some goodies inside 
that we would like to, to bless you with. So thank you again for being with us today. And for those of you who are online, thank you for joining us this morning or whenever you're watching and whenever you're worshiping. We're so glad that you have chosen to log in with Bridge Church. So welcome to you. You are no less a part of our body than those of us who are here. We're connecting with you to say welcome and please worship with us, pray with us, sing with us, rejoice with us, and uh, perhaps share communion with us, which we'll do a little later on in the service. So perhaps you can grab some elements there to do that with us. We're glad you are with us. And if you are watching by Facebook, please bless us with a comment so that we can know you're watching, you're with us, and we can get to know you better uh, by that comment. So please just drop us a comment there. And wherever you're watching, whenever you're watching, whatever platform you are on, we invite you to join us in prayer so that we may pray with you and for you. We have a team ready and waiting to take your prayers into the throne room for our advocate, Jesus, to present your prayer request. Let them be made known to God. We want to do that for you and with you. We have an in info at bridgefbg.com email address that you can send to us. Please do that. Take a moment, if you would, and send us an email with your prayer request. I promise you that we, our team, will be praying over that. And uh, for those of you who are with us today here, we also have the prayer request cards that you can pick up there at uh, the Connect Center. And please fill out your prayer request there. Uh, we do want to join you in prayer and to lift up your prayers. This is a house of prayer. And so please do that if you have an opportunity to do that. And we now turn to our moment of corporate worship in prayer. We have a VIP card. If you don't know what a VIP card is, these are cards that look like this, and they are, they're a good book, a bookmark as well. You can pick these up at Connect Center. These are um, our VIP cards, very important people cards, and this gives us an opportunity, a reminder for you and for all of us to, to pray constantly. That's our scriptural Reminder to pray constantly for those of, of who you have family members or friends. If you, you have those who are in your orbit who do not know the love and the grace and the truth, the I am the way and the truth and the light, and the no man comes to the Father through me except through Jesus. If you have folks who do not know that truth and are known by that truth, please pick up a card. I know you're here with you with you those of you who are here and you have that card, we are praying for those who we know and love who, to come to a saving moment in their life to know Jesus as their personal Savior. On the other side of the card are those who are simply out of step with the Lord. And uh, I was thinking about this. They may be just as simple as they leave baby Jesus in the manger, and that's where they leave him, and then perhaps they show up at Christmas, I mean at Easter, so for those of you, and not to diminish that, but just to pray for them, that they may have a deeper daily walk with the Lord. That's, that's our heart. That's our desire. So if you would, join us as we pray together for our very important people. Dear Jesus, we have these cards with these names that, that represent those for whom you died and for those for whom you were raised to life again. As much as we love them, 
we know that you love them far more than we can ever imagine. That you died for them on the cross. So our prayer, Jesus, as we come into the throne room with these names, you know them already. You know their circumstances. And God, you're already working in their lives. We pray for a moment of decision on their part to use us, to use others, to use circumstances. You know best, Father. But our prayer is that they come to know you and are known by you. We also lift up our sister churches here in Fredericksburg and in the hill country in this hour of worship. This is one church in Fredericksburg in the hill country, just one, one body, one faith, one baptism, one bride for whom you're coming back, Jesus. And so we pray your blessing, your, your abundant blessings on those bodies that are meeting this morning. Holy Spirit, blow fresh in their congregations. Open their eyes to the deeper walk that's available to them. Give the pastors words of life to speak, to call to repentance, to call to salvation. We thank you that we have the privilege of standing before you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus himself to present these names. Our expectation is for the miraculous Father. So please, Lord, we love you and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the safety team is always on point. They're here with us this morning as they are at every service. We want to just remind you of the exits that are clearly marked there on your left. There's a big door on your right, and there's some doors behind these curtains on either side. And how about a nice round of applause for our safety team? They do such a great job. We have just a few, a few announcements this morning. And um, if you've not yet heard the news, we lost our dear brother, Colonel Steve Butler, on Thursday morning, who passed into the welcoming and open arms of Jesus on Thursday morning. He is with the Lord now, and we miss him already. But we will, we will celebrate. As we mourn his loss, we celebrate his destination. So on Wednesday, we have the memorial service, the homecoming. Uh, is it homecoming, Jimmy? Is he? Homegoing. Homegoing, is he? I love that. Homegoing for Colonel Butler as we gather with friends and family as they'll be here to host them. Please come, and as a courtesy for to the family, they have requested that we, uh, those who are attending, wear our mask for that service. So it's a, it's a request by the family. So please come prepared to wear your mask during that service as we celebrate and mourn the loss of Colonel Butler. And that will also be live streamed in case you can't join us. Also, our, our Christmas poinsettia, speaking of, of just honoring those who honor is due, we have a wonderful, beautiful poinsettias this year uh, donated and uh, paid for by those who wanted to, in memorial, to uh, in memorial of those uh, family members and friends who have gone on and passed on to the Lord Jesus. And those who are also honored are represented here who are still with us. Uh, how about a nice hand for Marilyn Smith who coordinated these beautiful poinsettias. Thank you, Marilyn. 
And just another reminder, along with the uh, service on 11 o'clock on Wednesday for Colonel Butler, we have our Christmas Eve service the following day on Thursday from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. It's a, a one-hour start-to-finish service, so we hope you can join us for that service. And uh, we're going to do uh, just a beautiful uh, Christmas Eve service. I can't wait. So 2020's uh, year-end giving is the last thing. I just want to remind those of you to be in prayer to thoughtfully and prayerfully consider an additional gift to our campaign. Our, our belief is that we want to retire this note on this building as soon as possible, and that means that all things are possible through God. So we know we're going to retire it. We just want to retire it in God's time. And through the generosity of our church, we believe that's going to be sooner than later. In fact, we're making great progress. It's 1.3 is how we started, 1.3 million. We're down now to around $850,000 already. How about a praise for that? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> but, 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 gang, this is, not about, this is not about the building, right? This is not about the FF&Es. This is just about releasing those dollars to true kingdom work, that we can redirect those dollars to the ministries that we support and to further his gospel. So we would prayerfully ask that you consider that. You can go to the website. There's a drop-down portal that says you're here in giving. So thank you for uh, considering that. We, we come now to our, our weekly observance of communion. What a beautiful Sunday in which to observe communion, the Sunday before Christmas Eve. If you hear the little rattling going on, that's because our veterans already know how to pull out their little individual serving cups. If you don't know that, you can raise your hand and our team will come by and provide you with an individual serving cup that has a little wafer at the top and then the juice below it. And all you have to do to open that, you have to do two lids to open that. If you've never done it before, there's a, there's a thin uh, top that will open very easily that will give you the wafer. And then there's a gold foil top, if you will, that is a little harder to get on off, and that's a, that will give you access to the juice as we celebrate this beautiful, beautiful observance of communion as Jesus instructed us to do, as he observed with his disciples on the eve of Passover there in Jerusalem. And so as we, as we enter closely to the manger, I want to remind you that there is a connection through God's providence and prophecies, there is a direct line from the manger to Passover. We all know the shepherds were there, and, and uh, we, we love the shepherds. They're out in the field abiding in the flocks, and they get the special invitation to come. But let me tell you, let me read this, this scripture for you, to you from 1 Corinthians 5-7, written by Paul, who reminds us for Christ, our Passover lamb, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So the shepherds were out in the field. They come to the manger. Who were these shepherds? A little lot about them. But we do know this, that the sheep, the sheep that were abiding, that were out in the fields near Jerusalem, there in Bethlehem, were being prepped for sacrifice in Jerusalem. That's what those flocks of sheep were about. And... Uh, so the shepherds were in charge of tending those sheep and providing and picking from those sheep the perfect lambs. That was their job, to safeguard them, but also to spot and to separate out the perfect and spotless lambs that could then be presented in Jerusalem for sacrifice at Passover. 
So these shepherds who are used to doing that, this is part of their job, now they come to the manger. And the manger was nothing new to the shepherds because every year as they prepared the sacrificial lambs for Jerusalem at the temple, they knew what to do. They were always going to bring the sacrificial lambs that they had picked from the flock. They would bring and put them in a manger to safeguard them, to keep them from being uh, hurt or damaged in any way. They had to be spotless. So this was nothing new for the shepherds. They know what a manger is. They came to the manger. But the the shepherds also knew that when the, the sheep had been put in the manger, there was one additional thing that the shepherds did to protect the lamb before sacrificing at the temple. And that was they wrapped the sacrificial lamb in a swaddling cloth. Now, if that... I just got total body chills all <laughs> when I think about how that fulfills so many prophecies, how Jesus, the, the sacrificial lamb is there, which points us now to Passover. And as we read from Luke 22:15, now we fast forward to that night before he was betrayed, before he was to suffer. And Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And so as we now observe communion, as did the disciples on that night, we are reminded afresh and anew, God the Father sent his only son into the world to become a sacrificial lamb. And now as we share in the cup of suffering and the bread, his body, we renew our belief and our understanding of how deep the love is that God has for us. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. As we share in the blood and the body, We know that you've done this so that we not only remember you, but that as we leave here, we will thirst no more because once we will hunger no more. For you fill us with your spirit that we may walk in newness of life with no strings attached, no obligation. You've provided it all, grace and truth in abundance that we simply come to your table to share in remembrance of you, Jesus. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. May take the cup and the bread. Our team will come by now with the trash receptacles to pick those up from you. So beautiful. Now we we want to uh, bless our kids as they go to Bridge Kids. Um, parents, we'll go ahead and have our children stand now. If you've got a child beside you, let's get, stand them up because we want to bless them as they go. I see them standing 
throughout the, the room here. And, and uh, so let us pray together as we, as we send our children to be discipled at Bridge Kids. Father, we lift up these beautiful children, gifts from your hand that we may steward for a season. We thank you for the love that you've given us to share with them. You provide all that we are as parents, as grandparents, as providers, because you first have done this for us. So we bless your name. Be with these children. Be with our, our, our uh, bridge kids, folks, as they share the love, your love, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. How about a nice round of applause for our kids as they go? Yeah. <laughs> And finally, our, our weekly offering. It's just uh, what a privilege it is for me to stand before you to thank you for your amazing generosity. I, I have, Wendy and I have never been a part of a church as generous <laughs> as Bridge Church. We've never seen the, gener the level of faithful giving to the kingdom as it is here at the Bridge Church. So thank you for your generosity for your faithful giving, for that blessing to be uh, expanded for his kingdom work. So uh, we're going to take up our offering. If you've been giving online, we thank you for that. There's a, all, all, always three ways to give. You can see them up on the screen. And uh, we want to remind you that you're not giving to the church. You're giving through the church. These are the ministries that we support. We want to get your eyes on these ministries. There's a couple of pages of them. And before we're done, we want multiple pages. We may have to sit down as these pages roll by us. There are going to be so many ministries that we are supporting. So as you get your eyes on these ministries, pray for one. Pick one out. And as we, bl as we bless the Lord with this offering, pray that their needs may be met to abundance and overflowing, that they may fulfill the calling that the Lord has put on their heart. Amen. So we join now, Father, to, uh, to thank you for the, the way that you have blessed us. You've provided all that we need in abundance. We give you praise that you have confided in us the, the stewardship of your resources, that we may be a blessing, a blessing to you, a blessing to those who are in need. So we pray that you take this offering and that you multiply it. You multiply it to the lost, to the hurting, to the needy. We are so grateful that we have to give. You have given, we have received, and now we give back what is yours. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If, you, if you've come this morning planning to give, we're going to sing a song now. And... Uh, you may take that offering that you've got, and there's a couple of black boxes over there um, by the doors, and there's one over here on the wall. Those black boxes, you can slip your offering in there. But as you go, we're going to worship with a song. So could I ask you, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing this beautiful song as we worship. Present your offering to thank him for what he has done for you in your life. So we're so grateful.
Amen. <laughs> Beautiful. Please be seated if you would. We're going to turn the lights on uh, for the sermon. So, thank you. Can I get an amen on that? Aren't you glad God showed up? And aren't you glad God has a face? Amen? Let's pray. Father, it's our privilege to be before you as sons and daughters today. We open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth who leads us and guides us into all truth. We set ourselves before you as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus. We say, Lord, speak to us. We're listening. Our hearts are open. Our minds are open. And I ask God that you would explode within us the joy of this salvation. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. How many of you love Christmas? We have any Christmas lovers here? How many of you have seen one or five too many holiday movies right now at this point in the game? All right. So last night I was feeling really sappy. I get that way every once in a while. And I was like, I need some feel-good movies. So we watched a couple last night, and, and they were feel-good movies. And I might have gotten something in my eye at some point, just a little flick of speck or something. But we had a sweet time last night. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas, by the way, to everybody. I have to tell you, though, my grandmother really made Christmas special at our house growing up. Uh, now, I didn't call her grandmother. It's Granny to all of us. And uh, Granny had a special addition that she added to the eggnog that her special sauce, I never saw quite what it was, but I definitely felt the effects of what was going on. I noticed that during the day on Christmas, everybody got happier and happier through the day, and they were just, I, my family loved eggnog, but I realized when I went to the store about eggnog, it was not the same 
as Granny's special eggnog. And so I have a lot of great memories. Again, it's still a mystery, but I have a lot of great memories from Christmas growing up, and our family is always big on Christmas. Of course, my toys and my brother, his toys, all of our toys became my uncle's toys for a day because I had three older uncles that were like a bunch of grown-up kids, you know, that just wanted to hang out and play. So we did the Rock'em Sock'em robots. Anybody remember those? Uh, we rode the bikes. We did motorcycles one year. We, I forget how many dartboards we destroyed and how many darts we lost throughout the years, and and we just did a lot of fun stuff. So Christmas is always a big time. The thing I miss, though, that that's it's not a regret, but it's just kind of a hmm, is that our family uh, was not a strongly Christian family in the sense that we didn't go to church. We were very nominal in our faith, and that's just the way my family was. Good people, but just Jesus wasn't the center of life. And so growing up around my house, Christmas is always about the presence always about the stuff and always about the fun and, and always about Santa Claus and always about, you know, all of that and gathering his family. But the one thing we missed that we didn't really spend time with was talking about the real reason for the season. And I, that's the only thing I'm like, ah, it was so, we were almost there. But we missed the most important part. But that's not the case any longer. And so today I want to talk about just a little bit of another snippet of the Christmas story. And I love the Christmas story because it is absolutely stacked with the miraculous and the supernatural. A lot of times because of the, the cuteness of Christmas pageants and manger scenes and, and all of the, the movies, you know, Frosty the Snowman, the classic, right? Uh, now, I will say this, Annette has never been a big fan of Elf. I know, right? <laughs> but me and Faith, my younger daughter, Elf was coming on, and Annette this year for the first time said, I will try to watch this with you. And she did watch the whole thing with us. So Elf now is for sure a tradition. It was always on the side tradition. Now it's for real. And Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I mean, we grew up with all of that stuff. KBCD, Channel 11 in Lubbock, always did a radar. And it was, a, remember the old school radars, you know, with the spinning thing and black and white. And, and they were on, on Christmas Eve, they would come on and we'd be around the TV watching, you know, Frosty the Snowman or whatever. And then they would interrupt the programming to let us know that there had been a sighting and there was a blip on the radar screen. Instead of being, being a white blip, it was a red blip because it was Rudolph's nose showing up and getting Santa towards our place. And so that was always exciting for me and the cousins and my brother and our family. We always made, had a big time of it. It was, it was fun, fun, fun. But again, we missed the real reason for the season. And so I want to talk about that today, and, and I'm going to unpack a piece of the story. I want to share something with you. Two weeks ago, by the way, I was not here last week. I miss you. I love, love, love Uncle Bill Loveless, don't you? Aren't we blessed to have Bill as a part of our family? And, uh, man, sitting, listening to Bill's like drinking from a fire hose, I'm telling you. It's, it was nonstop, and we watched both services online and cheered and worshiped, and it was really great. And it also gave me such an appreciation for our online presence. And for those of you watching online, thanks for being with us. Thank you for hanging out with us. 
with us, and we love you and value you. I hope you feel that and sense that. So two weeks ago, I shared a quote by C.S. Lewis, and I want to share that quote again because I think it speaks into where we are. Listen to this. He says this, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Can anybody relate to that? Does that resonate in your heart? If you're a follower of Jesus, more than likely, 99 out of 100 times in this life, you have felt like you don't really fit or belong in this world. Shock and awe for every teenager out here who thinks you're the only one who feels like that right now. I want you to know that as adults, we feel that too. I hope you don't get depressed over thinking, you mean this will never go away? Let me tell you why it won't go away. It is because you don't fit and belong in this world. You were actually created for another world that was relatively short-lived before what's called the fall. When the fall happened, the world we were created for went away. And yet we're still born into this fallen world and wondering our whole lives why I don't fit in. Why do I feel like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole? Why is it that I never quite feel satisfied? I never quite feel content. I never quite feel like I'm a part of everything. Am I the only human in the room who lives that way? Apparently, I am. Nobody else is raising their hand. Oh, a couple of people. Okay, all right. Good. And the reason is, is because you were not created for the world that we inherited. You're created for another world, one that doesn't exist for now. But here's the good news. The good news into that. The Bible calls it the restoration of all things the renewal of all things. There will be a day. There is coming a day where all that is wrong will be righted, when all that is not working will work, when all that has been stolen will be returned, when everything that is broken will be fixed, when everything that is off will be on again. And it is at the restoration of all things, is at the culmination. This is why we live looking toward heaven and why we live with a mindset of I'm a citizen of another kingdom. Now, I want to bring this up because I was thinking about this in deep detail on Thursday morning after I got the call that the colonel, Steve Butler, our dear friend, had passed away and had stepped over into eternity. What this does for me, after 36 years of doing this, I've gotten a lot of those calls through the years. And even more now than ever, they constantly redirect and reroute my thinking into the perspective that I do not belong here, that Steve and others are going on ahead of us. They beat us to the finish line. They beat us to the punch, so to speak, and they now are in a place that we can only imagine, that we can only dream about with our sanctified imaginations. And while we mourn and while we grieve their loss, and we should, and grieve well and grieve fully, 
we also celebrate the fact that when, I don't know if they play Ain't No Grave up in heaven, but I'm telling you, if they do, I know one man that'll be dancing. You know what I'm saying? Amen? Amen. And so, for those of you who don't know, dear, dear brother of ours, I met, I met Steve Butler uh, the first day I walked into this building, officially, as, as the, at that time, the, the minister, lead minister here at the church. They called us campus ministers then. And I walked in, and, and I heard a man crying. It's odd. Walked in just to hear someone crying in a building. And Cindy uh, Holloway walked out and said, Welcome. Welcome to your first day at Oak Hills. Uh, would you go minister to that man in there? And I walked in. It was Steve Butler, and he was mourning over the loss of his wife. And we sat down, and he was the first person that I sat and had a knee-to-knee, heart-to-heart, good cry with uh, on my first day in this building. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I will mourn, and I am mourning and grieving along with you, those of you who knew him. But for those of you who don't, what this does for all of us is it should direct our gaze to where it should never go away from, and that is this. We are going towards heaven. We are living toward heaven. There's a finish line. There's a race we're running that we will finish, and we will be with him, and we will see Jesus face to face. And good on Steve Butler for being there. In preparing the way. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? So as we, amen, amen. Give the Lord a, a praise for that. That's So do join us if you can on Wednesday at 11 o'clock. Listen, it won't be your typical, we're going to celebrate. This is what we do with saints who've gone before us. We celebrate with what is near and dear to their heart. And that man was a worshiper, if there ever was one. Amen. Nearly every photograph, I was looking through some pictures of the church that people had taken from the church, and they'll send them to me, or I'll pick them up off of social media. And almost every one of them has a cane sticking up in it. And uh, that cane's a telltale sign that Steve's on the front row worshiping Jesus. I want to share this with you as we turn the corner here. And really, the reason I'm saying this... (laughs) The reason I'm saying this and talking about this is because this is what it does. It focuses us on what's to come for all of us. But here's the thing. We have a Savior who left everything we're leaning and living toward so that he could come down here into a fallen, broken world. And in a matter of 30 years or so, flip the world upside down and make this temporary gig that we have here on this planet tolerable and even enjoyable and even life-giving so that it's not just we're miserable, then we die. It is more that we learn what it means to live toward heaven while our feet are on this earth, and we actually learn to enjoy what's happening here and now, and we find life in it and hope in it, and we bring heaven to earth Heaven invades earth because of what Jesus did on our behalf. Amen. So as we look at that, I want to share this. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the fact that that the angel Gabriel showed up to a guy named Zechariah, who was the high priest that year. It was his turn to be on duty. He goes into the temple to present the sacrifice, 
and he is met by something that blows his mind, the archangel Gabriel, the angel that stands in the very presence of God, was sent to this earth with a message. And that message was that his wife would bear a child, and which was she was already barren, had never been able to have children, and now the angel is delivering this message, and Zechariah in his great faith as the high priest, do you remember what happened? In a momentary lapse of obedience, he asks, how am I going to know? In other words, prove it. And unfortunately, that resulted in him uh, becoming not blind, like I said in the first service, but becoming completely mute. He could not speak he lost his, his ability to communicate. And during that time, Gabriel shows up not just once within a six-month period, but twice. And we pick up the story here, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, six month, what, six month, that's kind of out of nowhere, in the context of that, remember context is king, in the context of it, it's the sixth month of Elizabeth which is Zechariah's wife, of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John, right? John the baptizer. Now, I had my little bubble busted when I was 19 years of age. I was a Southern Baptist and proud of it, and my assumption was that John the Baptist was one of us. I thought, well, sure, he's a Southern Baptist. He's a Baptist. And it turns out I learned later that he wasn't actually a Southern Baptist. He was John the baptizer, much to, you know, my angst and, and sorrow, but I had to let that one go. But here it is. He, she, uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the baptizer, the forerunner of Jesus, who's going to come and prepare the way. And as, she, as he comes, or as this is happening and being prepared, Gabriel shows back up on the scene to announce another birth. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel, there it is, the archangel Gabriel, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, you got to understand, Nazareth was not the place to live. That was not like, oh, I want to move to Nazareth. Nobody just moves to Nazareth. You don't, cho you don't choose Nazareth. Nazareth was actually at the northern end of the kingdom, and it was actually uh, the main road that ran through Samaria, ran through and came out of southern Nazareth. And so it was like, one of those places, an undesirable city. It was kind of a no place of no places. In fact, there was a saying, it was a common colloquialism, that can anything good come out of Nazareth? Anything good. Now listen to this. So the angel shows up, sent to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, verse 27, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The word virgin is an interesting word because when you do a word study in this, you realize it's actually a word gnosko. And the word gnosko means to know. It's the same word that's used in John chapter 8 when it says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Finish it will set you free, make you free. You will know the truth. It's the same word. In other words, the word means to know by experience or by encounter or to have intimate knowledge of. And so she is one who didn't know a man, had never had an encounter or intimate knowledge of a man. And he shows up to her, but she's already betrothed. And the interesting thing about betrothal is this, it's similar to, and you could say, oh, well, they were engaged to be married. Well, don't, don't overdo that because 
our engagements are easily broken. Our engagements are a leaning toward a promise to, but not necessarily a covenant to fulfill. And so in their time, when it was betrothal happened, that was actually a legally, a legal binding relationship whereby to break an engagement or a betrothal literally meant you had to file for a divorce. You had to get a certificate of divorce. That's how serious it was. And so she was betrothed, and now an angel shows up, and in verse 28, and he, Gabriel, came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, just realize what happened. Almost 400 years of prophetic silence had occurred during what's called the intertestamental period. That's from the end and the close of the writing of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to now the beginning of the new, about 400 years of silence, basically. And now, suddenly, Gabriel breaks the silence twice in a six-month period. And he shows up to a little girl in a nondescript village called Nazareth. And I say a little girl because she was a teenager at the time. And listen to this. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I'll break down that word favor in just a moment. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Do you think our English language may not always do justice with the emotions that are happening here? 400 years of silence. Zechariah had just been stricken where he couldn't even speak because of the presence of this archangel. And now the same archangel shows up to a little girl, a teenager. Never underestimate the power of a teenager family and what God wants to do in the next generation. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, almost every great revival, not all, but almost every revival on the earth was begun with a youth movement, a student movement. So never underestimate the power of a young person. Obviously, God didn't. She had been chosen to be the carrier and the caregiver of the greatest gift that would be ever released on the earth. And that was the Son of God, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah that the children of Israel had cried out for generations. They're crying out for generations, and in 400 years, the spigot gets turned off in heaven, and there's nothing. 400 years of silence broken. She was greatly troubled at the saying. Can you imagine what she was feeling and sensing as an archangel is standing in front of her and saying to her? She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern. That means she tried to understand what sort of greeting this might be. That's a, that's a code for she was trying to figure out what was going on because you can imagine her mind was spinning out of control. What is happening here? This is not natural. This is supernatural. Look what he says. And the angel, Gabriel, said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor 
with God. The word favor there is the Greek word charis. We get the word grace from that. What is grace? Grace in its definition is God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's authority, and God's favor to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. He says, favor is on you. You have found favor. You have found grace with God. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, say it, family, Jesus. You're going to be the bearer of Jesus. You know, that's the name right now we learn later. And Paul writes about this, says the name above all names, the name by which every knee shall bow on heaven and in the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus himself is God. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You know what I love about this? The kingdom of God is an ever-expanding kingdom, one that is of no end. It is only increasing all the time, and it never diminishes. But here's the thing. I realize that light and dark cannot occupy the same space. Does that make sense? Follow the logic train. Light and dark cannot occupy the same space. The kingdom of light is an ever-increasing, ever-expanding, ever-growing kingdom, which means the kingdom of darkness is diminishing and decreasing even as we speak right now today. Can I get an amen? Listen, and this was 2,000 years ago, and the kingdom has continued to expand, increase, grow, and dominate the kingdom of darkness. What are we worried about? Why are we in fear? By the way, this isn't a a heavenly arm wrestling match by where good and evil are are arm wrestling, and we're not sure who's going to win. We already know who wins because Jesus already won the victory. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It only increases, which means the enemies is diminishing moment by moment. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I don't know a man. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born uh, will be called holy. That means set apart, the Son of God. So now here we have the natural The super coming upon the natural, supernatural. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. That's John. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then look at verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Are Are you a possibility thinker? Have you, have you really wrapped your heart around this truth that nothing will be impossible with God? Are you in a circumstance right now? No, let me put it this way. Are you in a year right now that has overwhelmed your mind, your thinking, and your spirit? Have you found yourself drowning in all of the cultural rhetoric that's happening right now? Have you found yourself wallowing in this mire of political news, information, propaganda, and and the fear of COVID and all that's happened in 2020? Listen, 
We've got to exchange our mindset for a possibility mindset and to believe that God has won this thing. He is sovereign. He is in control. The enemy is not winning, family. Remember, of his kingdom, there will what? Be no end. So make no mistake, unlike Elvis, Jesus has not left the building. God is fully in control. He has a plan. There is a strategy. It's not an arm wrestling match by which the enemy sometimes gets a one-up on God and sometimes not, and they're back and forth. God knows what he's doing. We don't. We're not privy to all the details. But here's the thing. We come back to the place to trust that he knows exactly what he is doing, and nothing will be impossible with him. Nothing. You know what nothing means in the Greek? No thing. Nothing. No thing will be impossible with him. And look at this verse, 38. It's our last verse. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Listen to her humility. No wonder she was chosen. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let me focus on this for just a moment. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Can you imagine the grace that awaits those of us who will let this become the mantra of our life? Let it be to me according to your word. Have you ever received a prophetic word, a prophetic encouragement? Somebody walks up to you, maybe even random. We had this happen in a bookstore one time. A guy walks up to us. Turns out he was from the potter's house in Dallas, and he walked up to us in a bookstore in the Metroplex and just started prophesying over us. It was a whole group of us. We had just done a wedding, and a whole group of us went to a friend's wedding, and we're all there, and he just starts speaking life and peace and joy and and breakthrough and all kinds of things, and we're all in shock and awe because he is on the money. He has read our mail. Somehow he got into our accounts and knew everything, and while he's speaking this into us, it is lifting, and we're building, and we're becoming bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. Why? Because that's what prophetic encouragement does. Encourage means to inspire courage in an individual, and the courage rose up in us, and all we could think about was this is a word from God, not just some guy. And walking away from moments like that, oh, if only we would say what Mary said. Let it be to me according to your word. If you spoke it, you said it, I believe it, I receive it, therefore it will come to pass because you're the God who finishes what he starts according to Philippians 1.6. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what God says about you, believer, follower of Jesus? Let's just go back to the Old Testament first, and we'll end up in the New, and then we'll land the plane with this. Here's what God says about you. Every person in here, from the youngest to the oldest, this is what God says about you. He says, you are the head and not the tail. Deuteronomy 26. You're the head and not the tail. 
You're above only and not beneath. You are blessed coming in and blessed going out. The Scripture says this about you, that if the enemy comes at you one way, he has to flee. Help me, somebody. How many ways? Seven ways. I mean, you're like scattering the enemy like a piece of mercury. I mean, he's got to go everywhere. Why? Let it be to me according to your word. Here's what God says about you. His favor surrounds you as like a shield, and his favor is on you, and it's for your life. Did you know that, family? Possibility thinking. God, who makes the impossible possible, says this about you, that you're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what he says about you? That you're adopted, whereby now we cry out, Abba, Father, let it be to me according to your word. You know what else he says about you? That there is therefore now no condemnation for you who are in Christ. Let it be to me according to your word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let it be to me according to your word. Are you getting the point here? God says a lot of amazing things about us, and we need to have the posture of Mary and humility to say, let it be to me according to your word. His grace, family, his favor is already upon you. But can you imagine if we will move into the posture of let it be to me according to your word. Let's have our worship team make our way up. We're going to celebrate. I want to pray as they make their way up. We're about to celebrate. Dolan is going to get baptized, and we're just going to go out with baptism and worship today. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word that you would show up in the most humble of circumstances in a nondescript little town like Nazareth and a girl from a small village and say, oh, highly favored one. Father, her response should be our response every day. Let it be to me according to your word. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that has felt overwhelmed by the events of 2020, I'm asking God, may they exchange the impossible for the possible. May they save their whole heart. Let it be to me according to your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It literally divides even down into the bone and the marrow of who we are, and we're grateful. So, Lord, we love you. What a fitting way to celebrate today. It's Dolan. Has taken another step in his journey with Jesus. Oh, okay, wonderful. And Lord, we celebrate Bentley also stepping over the line. Thank you, Lord. Lord, it is our privilege to celebrate with them, to cheer them on, and to see the picture of the gospel the exchange of an old life for a new life, an old heart for a new heart, an old spirit for a new spirit. And 
Lord, as they go into the waters of baptism, the picture of being buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. We're grateful and we celebrate. Let it be to them according to your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. I'm going to go give this microphone to Jason. In this time of desperation, when all we know is doubt and fear, there is only one foundation we believe.
the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us through life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back church we believe hey <laughs> Woo, that's the way to do it thank you so much for being here this morning god bless you as you go let's live loud